At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is proudly sponsored by NiceJob. Visit get.nicejob.com to find out all about NiceJob's reputation marketing platform. You can collect two to three times more customer reviews using NiceJob's specific review campaign, which starts with a text message and follows with up to three emails, ensuring that your customer has every opportunity to leave you a five-star review. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com. So I pop into the Master Group, sponsor of the podcast. Thank you, by the way. And when I pop in there with COVID, it's kind of restricted a little bit. But during normal times, um, one of the, the, the places I like to go, I gravitate towards to is the yellow jacket wall because there's all kinds of fittings. And it seems like every time I go there, I see a new one that would come in handy and all kinds of little knickknack tools that you don't even know exist. So if you have a supplier that has a yellow jacket wall full of fittings and stuff, I would suggest you go look look at them and have a peek because you'd be surprised at what is on that wall, to be honest with you. You'd be, you'd be really surprised at what can help you out in the field probably on a weekly basis when it comes to air conditioning and refrigeration. Anyway, thank you to the Master Group. Check out master.ca. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So I have read many arguments online. Well, not I shouldn't say many, but I've read enough arguments online that makes me pose the question, pump or circulator? Now, a lot of people say if it's in a closed loop, it's a circulator. It's not a pump. Although pumps and circulators both work the exact same way. They both have impellers and motors and stuff like that. Um, now I pose this question to Peter Wolf, who was the guest on the podcast and he's from Armstrong and he's going to give his explanation and it falls in line with the same explanation that I've received from others as well on the same topic. All right. Now, like the arguments I've seen is, yeah, if, if it's in a closed loop, it's a circulator, no matter what the size, a pump is something that takes water, like for instance, from a well pumps it up, um, a set of pipe piping and then pumps it into something else like faucet or, or a bucket or w- whatever, right? That's the arguments I've seen online. So I'm going to ask this to Peter, who's been in the pump and hydronics industry for a very long time. And he's going to give us a, a cool history lesson on what they did before circulators were involved in, in a residential setting. So it's a good conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about circulators what they're used for, applications, where you'll find them. And we're going to talk about the the Compass R, which is like a smart circulator that Armstrong has launched recently. And um, we're going to get into this conversation. At the end of the podcast, I do mention that Armstrong is looking for trial sites to, to run these pumps in. So basically, if you're interested, send me an email, gary at hvacknowitall.com. I've compiled a list of people that are interested and they will reach out to you 
uh, if, if you meet the requirements and all that kind of stuff and, or they'll reach out to you to see if you meet the requirements. And then if you do, you can move forward and they're looking for basically to give you a free pump, install it, test it, give them feedback, and you can charge your customer for that pump if you'd like. So you're going to make money off the job just by charging the customer for the pump, or you can give it to them as a freebie. And there might be Armstrong is going to give you hundred percent support around it. And they might want to come to the site with you and create some content around it, which your company will get the benefit of that content, right? Because it, it'll, you'll get the exposure. So if you're interested, like, like I said, Gary at HVAC, know it all.com. In the meantime, let's get to Peter Wolf. This is the HVAC know it all podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC know it all podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Peter, how are you? I'm very well, Gary. How's yourself? Good. I'm, I'm better now. It, it seems like every week now there's some sort of technical difficulty that we have to muddle through. Um, this platform that, that I'm using is called Zencaster. Ever since they released the video feature, I've had some issues with it. So, um, hopefully they get those resolved or, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure enough. so, so you, how, how are you tonight? How are you feeling? Oh, very well. Very well indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lovely day today. Been out for my walk, seeing all the neighbors were walking their dogs and the like. So. Yeah, I met up with some friends. It's good. So I'm fine. Per- perfect. So we're going to talk circulators. And mm-hmm. circulators, hydronics is not something I do very often. So I like having these chats. That Are you more of an airman? I'm more of a, yeah, I'm more of refrigeration and... Uh. Um, commercial rooftop equipment, some, some ductless mm-hmm. split stuff, um, few mm-hmm. chillers, few boilers and stuff, but I don't do a ton of hydronics. So it's, it's very interesting to have these conversations and we're going to talk about circulators. And mm-hmm. one, one of the things that I've actually asked a bunch of people this and, and everybody sort of gives me the same sort of answer, but, uh, but I'm going to ask you because I've seen these debates online and the debate is pump don't call it a pump. If it's in a closed loop, it's called a circulator. Now I'd like to get your take on that. Good question, Gary. Um, I don't think my answer could be taken as being gospel, but from my personal point of view, I see a circulator as being something that's relatively small, low in uh, head, and uh, therefore designed really to push water around uh, uh, heating water around uh, a heating system to actually deliver heat. Whereas a pump per se is something that's bigger, higher in pressure, maybe designed to do a process, push water a longer way, generally a larger horsepower. Um, generally, a, a circulator should, won't be any more than two or three horsepower. And when you get above that sort of threshold, then you're in the world of pumps. But otherwise, they share the same uh, technology. They've got an impeller, they've got a casing, they have a motor and a shaft. There'll be subtle differences between the different types and Maybe we might just get into that later on. 
<laughs> awesome. And you know what? That's kind of along the same answers that I received mm -hmm. when I asked that question to some mm -hmm. other people that are in the hydronics industry. Uh, so mm -hmm. circulators, we, we, we just discussed that they are, they are a smaller type of pump, basically. Just they, they both have impellers, they both have shafts, um, and they both yeah. drive, and they, and they both move water or fluid around a system. And they don't have to do a lot ahead. They kind of came into being, I think, sometime in the interwar period. Uh, originally, water-based hydro hydronic systems, where water was used to circulate heat around a building, just used gravity, what was called gravity. The boiler, a coal-fired boiler, would heat the water up. And hot water is lighter than, than cold water. So the hot water would rise through the building. And it would find its own way around. And then when it got cold, it would, it would, it would fall back down the building on the other side. So, um, engineers had to be very careful in how they designed their circulating systems that the water would find its way around and you wouldn't get into any dead spots or it would stay static. Uh, the original house I was brought in, brought up in was uh, based on a gravity based system. And I was used to the very cold winters. The arrival of a circulator in our system with a new gas boiler. Uh, transformed our life. It turned our house to a very warm house because the circulator, a tiny little uh, uh, unit, was able to push the water around the pipework <clears throat> and not depend upon uh, gravity to do it. So that's the that's where cir so circulators came into being sometime, I say, in the, between World, the First World War and the Second World War, especially with the electrification of households, which meant that uh, electricity could be brought into the house to turn, a, turn an impeller and create it. Before uh, before World War Two, a lot of houses were still running on gas lamps and gas, and uh, electricity wasn't around. So that's really where the roots of uh, circulators arise. Post war, post World War One, electrification of households and uh, the creation of uh, of uh, general uh, circulated systems to ensure uh, warmer warmer buildings, both uh, domestic and uh, uh, and commercial as well. No, it's 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 very interesting, actually. I've never, I didn't even know that that these these old school boilers used gravity to push water around, and I could see how hmm. putting a circulator in that system transformed your life because now we're actually moving that water quicker and and to get mm -hmm. the heat to the rooms faster. So very 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 cool. So yeah. I mean, as as far as circulators go, where where would we typically mm -hmm. see circulators? Would we see circulators on in residential applications and commercial, or even industrial and, and smaller applications? Like, what what is the main the main focus where we put these circulators to move water? Which which application would you say is is the is the main one that we see them in? Well, in terms of numerical, in terms of sheer numbers. You, there are more circulators in uh, residential applications. They're sold by the virtually by the million globally for uh, buildings of, for houses that have uh, hydronic uh, heating systems with uh, boilers and uh, radiators in particular. Uh, they're clearly not used in many parts of uh, North America, where many house houses residences use uh, warm air or use air to, uh, to heat and cool the building. There you won't see a circulator at all. So in terms of numbers, the very the, the smaller circulators, the sort that, that might be thirty or forty watt circulators, uh, they're sold by the million and they're installed globally. When you get to uh, above a hundred watt, 
uh, power generally. Those are the what we call the light commercial circulators, and you'll see them in um, uh, senior living accommodation, small hospitals, school, small schools, um, and smaller smaller office blocks and the like. So those circulators are used in light what we call light commercial applications. Um, a particular application of circulators is hot water return, domestic hot water return, where you have <clears throat> a building with the, where you want a, a, where there's a, a large distance between the hot water cylinder and the and the furthest uh, hot water tap or faucet, and there you need a return system where you you in order to prevent the hot water that's sitting in a pipe getting cold when there's nobody drawing water off. Uh, plumbers put in a return line, which returns that hot water back into the hot water cylinder. Now that water is uh, domestic hot water. It can't be handled by a cast iron pump because the iron would uh, make the water cold, go all brown. Those circulators are made of either bronze or stainless steel. And they keep a, a small amount of circulation from the furthest um, outlet back to the uh, back to the hot water cylinder and back, so that as soon as you open the tap or, or force it, hot water comes out and you don't have to wait for any delay. So there's a big application for bronze or stainless steel circulators in uh, all buildings, uh, so more light commercial and commercial in large buildings than you would have uh, at home at a typical uh, single family home. Hmm. So that's in the, that, so there's two applications for circulators, heating to, for, and also to, uh, hot water. And the hot water one is more for commercial than it would be for residential. All right, quick break here, guys. So the HVAC Know-It-All app, which is a community-based app, subscription-based apps, like $10 US for the entire year, or about 1350-ish Canadian or something like that for the whole year. Okay, the community is awesome. Techs, helping techs. And I'm very, very proud of, of how the app has developed so far. And when I say proud, I mean like the, the feedback, the interaction, the positivity. There's been a few hiccups along the way with some people getting upset with a, a couple different things, but everyone's human beings and, and that, that happens. But we squashed that really, really quick. And that, that is what's great is there is a bit of a beef. We get close, close knit. We squash those beefs real quick and everybody moves on and like, like adults, not like children. So if you're interested in a better community than what you see on social media and you want to bounce ideas off people and, and, and get some answers that is not change the TXV, it might be the place for you. I will leave the link in the podcast notes, but if you just go to Google play or the app store, um, just search HVAC Note all app, you'll find it there. And there's a, a seven day free trial. So you guys can check that out. Subco trade Fox. I actually sent a little email today to ideas at subcotradefox.com with a tool idea I've had for a while. I don't know why I didn't send it earlier because I'm hoping somebody didn't also think of it <laughs> as well. So I sent that. If you guys have a tool idea, um, you guys can send it to the same email address and work with Supco and, and partner up on it. Ideas at subcotradefox.com. Refrigeration Technologies is a is a company that has really done some really awesome things in the industry. Their CEO, John Pastorello, who's an HVAC tech and a chemist, has developed industry-leading products like Nylog, Big Blue, um, Viper Pen and Drain Treatment. They're 
they're newer um, this year. I think they were out last year too, is the, the Viper packs, the little the Venom packs with the, the concentrated uh, coil cleaning formulas you just add water to. So this is all great stuff. You guys should check them out because they are badass. Uh, fix quick. I posted a little a, a little bit of content last week on someone else having a microchannel leak and using a product called Fix Quick by Cool Air Products. Basically, it's like a, a liquid that you paste on, a powdered accelerant, and then the liquid again. And it's supposed to, when it cures in 20 minutes, it's supposed to hold up to 700 PSI. And that repair that I posted online worked. I have a demo video on it as well that I have, that I have, I've tried it out and it worked in the demo. I haven't tried it actually. It's funny because microchannel coils leak a lot according to everybody else and, and all the videos and stuff I see, but I have yet to come across a microchannel coil that leaks. I swear up and down. Well, I, I shouldn't swear up and down on anybody's life, but as far as I can remember, I have not seen one that leaks yet, but this product has been working for some techs. It's called Fix Quick, so check it out. Yeah, you know what? I would love to have hot water recirc in my house because I mean, turn on the sh- <laughs> you turn on the shower and you, you stand there and you wait, and you, or sometimes you jump in, you don't even realize um, that you haven't waited long enough and, and it's freezing, <laughs> right? Um, and <laughs> that can be a shock. I, I think we've got in my condo building here in Toronto. I'm sure we have recirculation pumps because it uh, it's instant hot water here. Yeah, and and I was going to ask you actually answered a question that I was going to ask you next is why hmm. can't we use uh, cast iron with a hot water recirc but you said the water will turn brown and why does the water turn brown when you use cast iron well it's fresh water generally the water that's going to your cold tap or to your hot tap is has only just recently arrived into the building from the district mains and as a result it's fresh it's full of oxygen um, from because it's been recently treated and therefore, it, uh, it, the oxygen in the water is ready to react with anything going. So, if it, so that's the reason why you make uh, why uh, uh, hot water pipework in, in your house is either made of a copper tube or, or some sort of pl- uh, plastic these days, thermoplastic, because uh, neither of them rust. Copper doesn't rust and uh, thermoplastic clearly won't either, whereas uh, iron and steel does. And therefore, the uh, that's the reason why you have uh, you have the unit the, the circulator for domestic hot water made from a, uh, a unit from a material that won't uh, corrode. Bronze won't uh, because of it's a copper alloy. Stainless steel doesn't, of course. So those are the two preferred materials for um, uh, domestic hot water application. Uh, otherwise, with a cast iron, if you put a cast iron circulator onto domestic hot water, the the, the water this. The pump will rust away, but before it even rusts away, the rust that does come off will mean that you end up with brown water going into your sink. You'll spot it uh, very quickly, and it uh, it's not acceptable. So yeah, so that, that, was, that, that was that was um, that was I was going to say. So if you live in a in a commercial building, or uh, if you live in a high rise building, or mm-hmm. you, you work in a commercial building, and the water comes out brown when you turn on the the tap, you best be running down to the circulator and uh and see if it's got a cast iron um volute on it right <laughs> yeah oh if it's brown it will be cast iron absolutely i can guarantee cool. it you, you know what i i remember working in a in a building um 
it was about a three-story building in a downtown location. And there was a cast iron research on this particular hot water system for a while. And then somebody came down and pointed at it and said, hey, that's supposed to be uh, bronze at the time. They said bronze. And, and I, me being not, not a plumber or dealing with mm-hmm. hydronics a lot, I didn't know that. And, and I learned that a few years ago. Uh, uh-huh. and, and that, I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, so yeah, Tis- hot water circulators are, are incredible. I mean, just the instantaneous hot water is, is, is a really good thing. These days, of course, bronze circulators are switching now to stainless steel, not because it's a better material, but because, uh, the price of copper went up by about five times in the 2000s. I think uh, people tried to corner the market for copper. So what traditionally was the less expensive material, bronze, is now become considerably more expensive than stainless steel. And as a result of that, uh, pump manufacturers are switching to stainless, um, uh, mainly for economic reasons. They're both good materials, uh, but now stainless is a less expensive, less expensive option, which is... Um, which turns about which is a an about turn for what has always been regarded as the order of price uh, the seniority of price stainless steel is always much more expensive okay yeah i i actually did hear that yesterday as mm. well that um uh-huh. because i was actually talking to one of your your co-workers mohammed or two of them and ryan about the um the, the compass are which we can talk about in mm-hmm. later if, if you want and they and, and i was looking at the the photos of them and there was one that was cast iron there was one that was stainless steel and somebody mm. had mentioned they were looking for a stainless steel compass mm. r for a hot water research and i i wasn't sure if they had one and i googled it and i found it and then i just mm. I, I i just made sure with mohammed and ryan i'm like yeah you guys have a stainless steel um yeah pump or circulator sorry and then that's what mm-hmm. they had told me that stainless steel is becoming more prevalent because it's actually a lower cost uh mm-hmm. than, than than the brass one at, at the moment mm-hmm. so that's that's interesting to know so yeah. let me let me ask you this i've been in residential homes that for our customers that we take care of and some of these homes are like they're they're big and they have uh there's one particular house I can think of has two mechanical rooms in it, one on the east side, one on the west side. <laughs> and mm. and they've got mm, and they've nice got house. Yeah. And and they've got circulators for things like um an outdoor uh patio. Uh like so the, the out the outdoor patio is heated from below. So it melts ice and I guess they get some some mm. um some radiant heat off of that, maybe if they wanted to sit outside in, in cooler weather and then they had it for uh, different zones around the house. Those are good applications for circulators too, right? To zone things off. Yeah. Uh, yes, you can. it is good. And uh, in particular, one of the applications as well is underfloor heating. That's become extremely popular in, uh, in Europe as well, where you embed um, pipe work in the, in the floor and it's much, it, it, Gets, it gets rid of radiators, which otherwise make the room difficult to furnish, and it provides um, a, a much more much more constant and regular supply of heat because the floor itself acts as a heat sink. So you, the water, the boilers operate at a lower temperature and the like. So also a zone for underfloor heating has become extremely popular in uh, in Europe and <clears throat> increasingly so in the New World. They require a little bit more head 
the pressure head than the typical pump, but uh, nonetheless, circulators have been uh, developed to handle underfloor heating. So it's a good market for uh, pump companies like ourselves as well. Circulator companies, I should say, as, as well. <laughs> but but uh, zone heating comes into its own, uh, certainly for the bigger applications, where <clears throat> it uh, you'd need a prop, if you wanted to get, uh, where you'd need a, either a much bigger pump to circulate round that size of building, or you need to have, uh, and you need to have a complex uh, piping system as well to ensure that the west side of the house got the right heating at the right time of day compared to the east side of the, the house. The east side might need it in the in the evening, and the uh, the west side will need it in the morning, and the east side will need it in the evening. Hence the zoning, you know, depending upon where the sun is at the time Got, of day. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Now I, I've been in homes where the the, there is in-floor heating, and it just feels so nice on your feet. And mm. your, your, your feet are a, 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 a big place of, of sort of heat rejection from the body. So if your feet are cold, mm. it's like the rest of your body gets cold. So in the winter, you walk around on a warm floor. I, th- I think it would actually make you feel a lot more comfortable. I know that the floors that I've walked around on um, in bare feet or socks and the floors are heated, it just, it just feels... It feels incredible, and and I would love to have something oh. like that in in my home, for sure. And one of the things that I've always one of, one of the things I've always thought in my head is, what happens if there's a, a burst in the pipe, and you're going to have this major repair on your hands? But I've never really seen or heard about anything rupturing under a floor. Like you'd think if it was happening, you'd you'd hear about it and see it a lot of it. Um, but I'm not really hearing that this is happening under floor heating. <laughs> Neither have I. Uh, most underfloor heating I've seen is actually embedded in the in the in the grout. So, um, uh, so one thing it's embedded in the grouting. So uh, I think if there was a leak, you wouldn't see it for a long time. But I don't think it just it just doesn't happen. The the materials used are of very high quality. Uh, the pressure is is very is low. So uh, the, the the materials used are, are not the sort of mat- sort of materials that will ever rust or corrode so um, leakages are a, a, n- a non-existent event so yeah, but as you said gary you know having underfloor heating is the is like the thing to have if you've if you've got a couple of bob to spare it's the one thing that really makes your house stand out and makes it so much more comfortable and, and uh, happy to be in never a cold feet in the morning when you get out of bed you know that's that that's uh, money can't buy that, that sort of uh, pleasurable feeling that by that underfloor heating gets you. Yeah, 100%. And you guys have um, an exciting product that uh, we were just, I just had mentioned is the the mm. Compass R. Um, like, do you want to talk about that a little bit and just sort of the differences between that and like an older style circulator you may have sold in the past? Well, yes, absolutely. Certainly. Thank you, Gary. Uh, I think that the thing to see is that a lot of circulators, certainly post uh, after the Second World War, were uh, what's known as wet rotor circulators. So when they their their circulators, where the liquid that they're pumping is also cooling the cooling the, the motor, and it travels around. It's allowed from the uh, from the volute part of the pump to then. Uh, wet the rotor of the pump, but with a, a, ca- a stainless steel can around it to seal it off to stop the water getting into the stator where the electrical supply, where the three-phase supply is spinning, the, creating the magnetic field that turns the rotor. 
So wet rotor circulators were a revolution at the time. They were very small because they're water cooled. They don't. They're very small and very quiet because there's no cooling fan. They had downsides. Uh, they have downsides. The the water, if the water is of poor quality, then this the very tight gap between the rotor and the state and the um, the can can jam up and the, and the and the circulator comes to a halt. And what you do then is you throw it away. Uh, it, it can't be repaired. It's a non-repairable item. And also the circulator, the the, the the water gap between the stator generating the rotating field and the rotor, which is a um, is a bunch of steel laminations into which the magnetic field is is, in, is induced by the stator. Um, for the for the magnetic field to fight its way through the stainless steel can through the water gap and then hit the rotor, it meant that the magnetic field was very weak, and the wet rotor pumps were always had a very inefficient motor because of that struggle to get the the magnetic field the induction which is uh, the induction to induce magnetic field in the rotor and then turn it so they always had poor efficiency and that has been fixed in recent years the advent of um, the permanent magnet motor which um, doesn't need to induce uh, the uh, magnetic field in the rotor the rotor's got magnets embedded in it all the all the um, permanent all the state has to do is move and then turn it. It's still um, not turning it as strongly as it could do, but it's better than it used to be and the efficiencies have, have improved. So that to, that brings the story to Armstrong. We've always been proponents. We've, we've always sold a small range of wet rotor circulators, but we've also been very loyal to the uh, so-called dry rotor circulator, circulated with a mechanical seal so that the motor is air-cooled and on one side of the seal in the atmosphere, by the atmosphere, and then the water just travels through the casing in, in, round the impeller, and then out again, keeping the two separate. Now, the air-cooled motors are, have always been much more efficient than a, than a water-cooled motor because the stator and the rotor are always within a millimetre of each other. Uh, and so, therefore, they've always been that more efficient. And now they've been made even more efficient because we've adopted permanent magnets in in the in the rotor on a on an air cooled motor, so that's what, that's where Compass R is a permanent magnet air cooled um, dry rotor motor as we call it, with all the intelligence that you expect from a from a up to date modern circulator, the ability to adjust its own speed depending upon what the resistance is of the system, uh, the ability to change speeds just by touching a button. Uh, the ability to set it to run at constant pressure for if that suits the application, like an underflow heating, or variable pressure with, according to a quadratic uh, curve so that it, the, the performance of the circulator matches the rise in frictional resistance, the square law rise in frictional resistance as increased flow goes through a pipe. It's, it's even got a so-called auto setting, a default standard setting, where the pump will sense. It's got a bit of machine learning built into its brains, and it'll it'll every so often take a little. It'll push its envelope. It'll increase its speed to see what happens, and then test what the system is like in case the system has changed. In case a, a heating engineer came in and put an extra radiator into the circuit, it'll sense that and adjust itself to suit a, a, a revised circuit or a change in conditions. If somebody shuts off the west wing. It'll slow down. If they open up the West Wing, it'll open up again. So it's got a lot of intelligence. And because 
it's a wet, it's a dry rotor circulator. It uh, it's more it's more efficient in the motor end, and because it's got a mechanical seal and uh, it's it's basically it's it's in components. So if something if the seal does wear out or if the motor needs replacing, you can repair it. So it's a much more sustainable product than uh, wet rotor pro wet rotor circulators where. If the, if the motor goes, then you have to throw the whole thing away and it's not repairable. So the Compass R is a sustainable product. It's a repairable product and uh, it's an efficient, with an efficient motor, uh, very efficient pump end as well and easy to set up. Uh, I think as we've done a nice YouTube video on the Armstrong website, which explains how easy it is to set up and uh, press the buttons to get the settings to what you want in terms of speed, in terms of uh, control mode as well. So that's um, Compass R. We're very proud about it. We've, uh, we're up to three with for three sizes available now, with the fourth size, the 25140, coming into in, being launched in a month or two's time. Hmm. So what, what sizes, uh, what three sizes do you have available? We have the 2035, so it does 20 foot of head at maximum, 35 GPM, we have the 2075, 20 foot of head at one end, 75 at the other, 40, 45, 40 foot of head, maximum head, 45 GPM maximum flow. And the next size coming in is the 25, 140, 25 foot of head and 140 GPM. And that, uh, that size will then, um, uh, will, will really add a lot of capability to the Compass R range. And then we hope to launch after that the, what was the next size after that? The 4085, 4085, and sometime at the back end of the year. And as we uh, fill out the range, uh, we know there's a huge demand for that uh, for in that sort of flow rate, both for low uh, for circulating applications like commercial now, uh, not necessarily a residential application. This is like commercial, uh, and also for commercial hot water return. So every every compass R we make is available in ductile iron standard for heating and stainless steel for domestic hot water and another 115 volt or 240. Gotcha. So the, you were mentioning how it can sense resistance and mm. speed up, slow down. Uh, is this all confined to the, the assembly of the pump or is there any sort of auxiliary sensors that need to be added to it or is it just one piece? It's just one piece. It's uh, it, 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 the at the top end above the motor is the electronics that uh, does the that uh, uh, controls the speed. There's an easy to read fascia front fascia at the top of the circulator, where it 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 use on a on the um, output you can see the amount of watts that the pump that the circulator is absorbing and interspersed interjected. So it toggles between the watts absorbed and the GPM. That it's pumped, that it's circulating, so you can see what it's doing, see how much power it's drawing, and you can see what flow rate it's doing. So it's a, uh, you, you, it's not like a, a, an old-fashioned circulator where it, you knew it was working, you knew it was not working, but you didn't know what it was, what it was doing. The Compass R tells you what it's doing on its uh, uh, on its uh, uh, interface at the top of the unit. So it's very easy to so effect, effectively. There's three components to it: the electronics at the top the permanent magnet motor in the middle and then the business end, the wet end at the, at the other end. Interesting. So, yeah. so the, as far as, uh, as far as 
power goes are we powering how are we powering this up is 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 there two forms of power one for the pump and one for the electronics or is it just one one source how does that work no there's just a there's just a single uh, connection in at the there's the terminal uh, box opening at the top very easy to take off with the two um phillips phillips screws to take off the lid and then you can push the your single phase supply in and then very quickly and easily be able to clip the uh, the live ground and neutral into it on the other side of the terminal box you can if you wish um, if there's a boiler that is sending out a signal to a speed reference signal so that the pump was was um so if the, if a boiler wishes to uh, adjust the speed of a pump to suit the firing rate of the boiler, we can also accept a, a zero to ten volt uh, speed reference signal from, say, a boiler, so that the pump will run at the right speed to suit the firing rate of a gas-fired boiler. Wow, that's, so that's the boilers, awesome. Well, what it does do uh, this the big advantage there is that modern gas-fired condensing boilers need to operate in a very tight temperature range in order to ensure that they're in the condensing mode. And when they condense, then they're at their most efficient. And that can save you a, a, a lot of gas bills at the end of the year if you keep the keep the circulator, sorry, if you keep the boiler working in the condensing mode. So having this ability to take its instruction from the boiler will ensure that you get lower gas bills at the end of the year if you have a condensing boiler that does have a zero to 10 volt uh, output that can uh, uh, sorry, that the compass are can accept and then uh, obey that is very cool yeah i did i did watch a video i'm i'm pretty sure it's the video that you were talking about i think <laughs> i watched it last week and it just it just seemed so simple and what i did like about it is how there is one clamp uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, I, did you guys call it a V clamp? And I think it's got one bolt and you loosen it and you can take the whole, um, assembly right off of the volute. It just like with one uh, clamp. Yes. Uh, thanks. Yes, Gary. Absolutely. And that's a feature that we used on several of our larger, uh, it does, should I say, uh, commercial pumps as well. It's uh, it's revolutionary. Um, because it means that instead of having to undo six or eight bolts, uh, which can take, uh, which could take a lot of minutes you just undo the one clamp and then woof uh, you can then pull the t- pull the head out if you need to do something like change the mechanical seal or if something uh, some uh, something's got into the pump casing that should have been there it's very quick and easy to take to take it out and then to put it back in again as well yeah that's a good point awesome yeah um, okay. yeah. yeah sorry Gary so, over to you no, that's okay I was I was gonna I was gonna go on to the um the parts kit. So I've been hearing a lot of um, talk and rumors about circulator part part parts kits that you have available to change these things on the fly. So you don't have to order mm. individual parts and you can actually keep these things as truck stock if you're doing a lot of hydronics and working on these things a lot. Um, mm. Do you want to tell us what these parts kits are, um, what circulators they're for and what comes in them? Yeah, we have, well, let's draw the line back. The, the Compass R uh, has been designed in order to uh, replace on a size-for-size basis the, um, the three-piece models that Armstrong has been making for scores of years now, our, our S and H range of th- three-piece inline circulators. 
Traditionally, they were always um, oil lubricated with a sleeve bearing. These days, almost all of them are now available in a maintenance-free design. Nonetheless, uh, these circulators uh, do have have always historically had a uh, a maintenance requirement, and uh, where where the parts for them have always been spent parts for repairs and maintenance have always been uh, part of uh, the business of uh, of Armstrong and of. Uh, people that have these circulators in their homes and, and offices, uh, heating uh, heating them during the winter. So, uh, and historically, we've supplied the parts uh, as parts. So you can have uh, you can have a thread here, you can have a washer there, you can have a mechanical seal, you can have a bearing bush, uh, you can buy what you like. And uh, so we've made a steady business of it. But uh, it's it's not not been re- it's not been efficient for anybody. Not for the uh, the repair person whose job is to uh, to perform the annual maintenance to the to the circulator. Uh, it means that they run the risk of uh, turning up with the wrong parts. They may have lost something. Something may get damaged on the way. Uh, it makes it uh, challenging for the uh, the wholesaler that they go to to get the parts, who have to stock a huge number of. Uh, uh, part number units, and then they have to go troll through their uh, parts guides to ensure that they've got the right parts for that particular circulator. And it's not. Uh, it's also been. Uh, it's also been made a lot of work for us as a, as a, as a manufacturer, uh, having so many different parts and running the risk that uh, errors can be made and that the wrong parts go to the wrong place. So um, we. So we now make. We've now decided to put them into parts kits. And it is it's going to have a transformative effect upon for our for the repair per, repair people because they'll turn up at site with a pristine box containing the parts they require or envelope. It'll have everything they need to do the job, nothing missing, all genuine spare parts from genuine spare parts, which are guaranteeing a long life for the product, uh, without any without any need for a return visit or to go back to the shop something was missing or something was wrong and it helps our wholesalers because it means that they can sell hold the parts kits in stock knowing that they've got it all ready to go if somebody needs parts for one particular circulator they can just say right it's this part kit here you go all sorted and uh, as a result it uh, naturally it's also beneficial for us because it uh, it means that it's easy for us to manage as well so everybody benefits the, the, the owner of the building who's got the circulator they get top quality um, parts in their circulators and knowing that it'll give them good, reliable service. The installer, uh, the repair person, the wholesaler they buy it from, and us. So that's the story of the parts kits. It makes uh, a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to do that. I I mean, I know that, uh, for instance, I know for, for, Mm. for, for myself, I don't carry a ton of parts around with me, like odds and ends, yes. But I know... In, in the residential market, the uh, trucks are stocked with like, uh, mm. with, with, with motors, capacitors, contactors, uh, hot surface igniters, all kinds of things that, and there, a lot of them are universal to, to get, um, to get the technician out of a jam. Mm. Right. And, and for myself, I just see such a, a big variety of, of stuff. It's hard to carry parts for everything. Um, but oh, I can no. see, I can see a ton of use. If you're in the hydronics business and and you're driving around working on boilers and hot water heaters and pumps and circulators and all that to have something like this with you, because on the fly, there's a problem. 
you just go to your mm. truck and grab it and replace mm. it that makes you very efficient um <laughs> right and, and i don't know how many times i've been asked if i go troubleshoot some some part or some issue at a commercial building and the customer says, Hey, so you have the part in your truck. (laughs) And I always say to them, well, you know, if, if I were to carry all the parts that I see on a daily basis or on a, on a monthly basis or a yearly basis, I'd have to have a transport truck behind me with all these parts basically. Right. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Semi. (laughs) And then trying to find it as well. You'll have how many different trays out there that you have to be foraging through to find that particular washer or that particular gasket. Yeah, you'd spend all day trying to find the right right piece. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I do see mm. tremendous value in, in having something like a, a parts kit that has the correct parts in it. Because I, I don't know, this is the, the other thing. After aftermarket parts, I've used them and, and sometimes they've been they've been awesome, but sometimes you grab aftermarket parts and they're just a little bit different and they cause a little bit of grief and maybe they don't line up all the way or properly or something is is off slightly and you have to drill out a new hole somewhere so it's it's good having the oem authentic parts um i i totally agree with with that as well so i mean we've we've covered circulators to i i think a, a great um not not like a, a huge massive deep dive into them but i think we've covered a, a very good um generalized way of talking about them and if there's anything else you want to throw in about circulators or the compass r or the parts kits i mean please go ahead no i was uh, it's just that your comment about pattern parts as well it's nothing to do with circulators but it reminds me of uh in the old days trying to get the part for a norton motorcycle i had and going to the the old boy that ran the specialist norton shop at uh, a few miles away and he always said i said i said dougie should i get a this part here is a pattern part. Uh, should I use it? And he said, he said, only buy a pattern part if it's not going to go round and round, he said. <laughs> if you know, so <laughs> I never went near pattern parts because they were always, um, they always let you down. They always let you down. Whereas the genuine uh, manufacturer's part would do, do so. Mind you, with Norton's, uh, even, man, gen, even genuine parts could let you down as well. <laughs> but that's, a, I'm going off topic here. Maybe we That's can come right. back and talk about motor bikes another time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's, so as far as cir- circulators go, well, what else? What else is there? I, I mean, we we talked. You gave us a little bit of history, which which I thought was cool. Um, we've talked mm. about the difference between the wet and the dry, and mm-hmm. the applications, and where where we can use them. The difference between them and pumps. I mean, yeah. actually, you know what we, we have done, I said generalized, but we have done quite a, a bit of a, a deep dive into them. And, and now we've talked about the compass R and, and the technology, which I think mm-hmm. is very cool. So if there's anything else um, that we've missed, like go, go ahead with it. Well, we do do the compass H, which is a single size of circulator. It's designed to do the typical flow rate and head of a residential heating circulator. And it's, uh, it has it shares the same uh, port-to-port dimension as uh, every residential circulator around the globe. It's a, it, so it's a wet rotor circulator designed to do um, fit, uh, 15 gallons a minute at 15 foot of head, if I remember rightly, 1550. Uh, fi- yeah, 15 gallons a minute, 15 foot of head. And that circulator is, um, is a very successful product for us. It's a, it is a wet rotor circulator. 
It's quiet. It's uh, efficient. It's got a very similar uh, user interface as the Compass uh, R um, in terms of being able to alter the speed settings, the control settings. It has the auto setting as well. And it also takes the uh, 0 to 10 volt um speed reference signal from a boiler. So it can uh, attune its speed to suit the, the boiler fire, keeping the boiler condensing. So that's another useful um, uh, product in the, in the Armstrong range. Used mainly for domestic hot water in its stainless steel version and uh, for heat, domestic heating in its, um, in its uh, uh, cast iron version as well. And it's a very robust uh, circulator. I remember a, a, a plumber coming onto our stand at uh, one of the ASHRAE shows back in 2015, 2016, and uh, he was asking us, uh, where is it made? You know, where is it made? And I said, why are you asking us where it's made? He says, I just, I just want to know because I can't believe I've put in every other brand of circulator. And he works in New York City where the pipe, it's all cast iron pipe work with uh, cast iron radiators in some of the old blocks in in New York City, which is means it's a pretty, bit of a nightmare for circulators because there's lots of rust and corrosion and air entrained going around the building. And he said, but I put your compass, uh, compass H in and they work and they just never break down. You know, where do you get them made? <laughs> I didn't tell him, but uh, <laughs> that's a trade secret. But uh, uh, they're definitely a, a hugely reliable uh, product and can withstand a lot of abuse. So uh, that... And that was a that was a great story, and that, so it was a good story. There's an interesting uh, meeting with that plumber. So that's Very cool. just my little anecdote about it. So did did so, you have did hmm. you did you start um, your your background? Do you have any plumbing background at all? Uh, not personally, but I had a very good friend of mine back in the UK who uh, was a pl- became a plumber and was a very good plumber. And uh, I think uh, we were very we were friends from sec- from uh, the scouts and secondary school and the rest of it. And uh, uh, he went his career took him one way into the city of London, and mine went to university. And then we met up again when I came back to London, graduated, and he'd uh, uh, and then he eventually became a plumber. And I'd got a degree in physics, and so he kind of used that. Uh, he kind of wore my my degree as his badge. He is the the. Um, term he used to, his company's motto was using physics to your advantage and certainly i got involved in, in helping him uh work out how uh, to make a more efficient and better plumbing circuit pl- plumbing system and it was really interesting i learned a lot outside of uh, my work in the pump industry which i started not long after i graduated so that's uh so and uh, so, so that's what I learned, and it's uh, that's how I learned how to get uh, how what really happens in in domestic circulating systems, just from my my friend the plumber. Very cool. So, so I've 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 been learning a lot. I mean, I've talked to you, um, yourself and and a few of your colleagues over the last mm-hmm. uh, I don't know six to eight months. We've had a few conversations, and and like I said in the in the beginning, I I love to have these conversations to learn more about that side of the industry because i find it's more that there are i guess refrigeration technicians or that are licensed to be refrigeration technicians with a gas license that do hydronics mm-hmm. but i find it's 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 a lot of plumbers that end up getting into the hydronic side a little bit more than mm-hmm. than a than a hvac i guess quotations hvac technician does um yes. so i, I don't see it, i don't see it so often 
yeah, the HVAC is maybe more air side, more about air movement, rather whereas the plumbers are always about water movement, be it cold or hot water for um, domestic applications or water used for transferring heat around. One other piece of history, actually, Gary, I just remembered, is that you talk about circulators, and I, t- and I mentioned earlier about the trans about how circulators arrived to uh, to take over from. Um, uh, Gravity is the means of uh, circulating. The initial name for them were accelerators. They were called accelerators originally because they, they, they were speeding the water up. And many of the accelerators actually had a flap in them between the, so that the water could find its way naturally through um, uh, convection uh, under gravity. Or if the system wasn't uh, moving fast enough, then the, the pump would start up and then suck the air through the flap and then pump it around the system. So I'm going back now a long time, about a hundred years now, but uh, those were very much a part of the product range of uh, some of the uh, some of the legacy companies that uh, that make up what is Armstrong is today, and it's the lessons that we learned for that period that uh, inform us today. Interesting, yeah. It's it's well, it's it's always one of those things. I always say, like, you got to look at the past to see what got us here, um, mm-hmm. and then you look at the present to see what's going to get us there. And, and mm. I, and I, and I feel like every single day, <laughs> the, the industry is just, it's rapidly changing just with the advancement of technology. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. It's so hard to keep up. Um, and, it and is I'm mind glad, boggling. And, yeah, it really is. But it is to the, everybody's benefits. You're getting, you're getting products that are more efficient, more sustainable, easier to live with, um, Create less uh, less challenges and tell you what they're doing as well. I mean, the, the big step for us has, has been our ability to uh, certainly on our commercial products to connect them all to the internet so that we can see what's, what's what they're doing and we can monitor, we can see what they're doing and uh, check out their progress and then and then use data analytics for the data that they're sending back to us. This is with our uh, pump manager. Program that we have, and the the booster manager that we'll be launching later on this year, where we'll be able to where we see and provide, and not just see, but also running it through our our data partner Watson and analyze the data that we're getting, and, and then uh, so that we compare what how the unit is running compared to previous months, how much power it's absorbing, how much energy it's using compared to the year before or the year before that, so that the owner of the of the circulator or the pump or the booster set can see whether their building is operating as efficiently this year as it was last year, uh, all from the uh, data that, that's uh, being transmitted from our product to Watson and then back to them so and they can see it on the comfort of their their uh, smartphone or their um, or their tablet, leave alone their their PC. So it's all web enabled through the internet. Yeah, wild wild times. We just got to sit back and <laughs> yeah. and and try to keep up and, and go along for the ride. And I, and I always tell people, hey, like anytime something is new comes out, it's it's just like, hey, oh, um, I'm not going to use that. I'll stick with what I got. Mm-hmm. But l- listen, eventually the the new thing is going to be put in front of you and and if you need to learn on the fly uh you're going to be kicking your you're going to be kicking your ass because you didn't learn it when you first saw it or not learn it but at least um at least look at it from a a perspective that you're trying to educate yourself on it so 
Absolutely. One last thing. I have educated myself. The Compass H, it does 20 foot of head or 20 GPM, not 15 gotcha. 15. Okay. Uh, so one minor correction. Yeah. yeah no, Good no words, problem. Gary. Hey, I, 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 uh... I I uh I had to delete a post uh, last week because I made a mistake and uh I got an email from the CEO of of the company uh that it was it was a an an oil um for for to te- it was to check acid in oil in a refrigeration system and I used the wrong oh, yeah. I used the wrong test strip or or the the wrong tube and he messaged me and said hey it's the wrong tube you just used and and I just published it I'm like, oh man! So I had to delete it and then redo the test with the right strip. And it's just because I did not um, RTFM. I didn't read the manual properly. I, I just I messed I messed up when I when I inserted the two. But hey, mistakes happen. But anyway, yeah, exactly. Peter, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the insight on circulators and and the insight on this very cool uh, smart pump the the compass cool. the compass R that you guys have launched. And, and in the intro, um, if you guys, uh, I'm going to do the intro after this, but I'm going to, and I'll say it again here that we're looking for candidates, uh, to take a compass R and install it, um, and get a hundred percent support from Armstrong and just yeah. document the experience and the install and the feedback and all of that. So if anybody's interested again, um, please reach out to myself, uh, Gary at HVACKNowItAll.com, and, and I'll get you guys in touch with the team that's involved with these trial sites. And 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 I, you'll be on the you'll be on the the front line of learning this new technology. And I think that's a benefit. Great stuff. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, awesome, Peter. Thank you. Have a great night. Okay, t- same to you. All the very best. Bye. All right. Thank you, Peter. That was a great conversation. We learned some stuff about the history of circulators, which was very cool. It's always, it's always cool to find out what got us to this point, right? So your definition of circulator, what is it? Is it, is it like Peter was saying, like a smaller type pump that's in a system that is called in quotation circulator? Is it just semantics and you just call it a pump whenever? Like I've just called them pumps. But I think from now on going forward, I'll call those little small ones um, circulators, if that's the name that the industry is using for them. Because I'm always uh, I'm always looking to better myself, and and uh, I remember the meme that I I put out saying that a a self tapping screw that we're all used to seeing with like almost like a drill head on the end of it is actually called a self drilling screw. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I got beat up a little bit on social media because nobody wants to change how they roll. Right. Anyway, it's always good to use the right terminology, especially if you you're in, in professional settings and stuff like that. So thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it. We learned some stuff. And like I said, if you guys are interested in a trial with the compass R, shoot me an email because I'm only opening this window up for a short while so we can get them the candidates so we can move forward with this so uh, maybe if you you listen to the podcast you might have a day or so the window might be gone if you listen too late but anyway it's time to get going i'm out guys thank you once again to the master group happy hvacking hope you enjoyed the show follow hvac know it all on instagram facebook youtube tiktok twitter LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. 
This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.